we're now seeing an increase in the professionalization of the sector, which means that people are understanding the issues and wanting to do it better. Yeah. And I think that's really important because it's very easy to give money away, but it's very hard to do it well. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 210 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Belinda Morrissey. Belinda Morrissey is the CEO of the English Family Foundation one of the few Australian foundations with a sole focus on driving transformational change through the growth and development of social entrepreneurs and social businesses. For the past seven years, Belinda has worked closely with social enterprises to develop and support their sustainable business models for delivering social outcomes. She has a particular interest in developing the concept of an engaged philanthropy model in Australia and in the role of the philanthropic sector in supporting the social enterprise sector to obtain the right capital at the right time. She has spent the past decade in the philanthropic and for-purpose sectors. And prior to this, Belinda had an extensive career in investment management spanning three continents. She holds a BA in economics and has completed postgrads in philanthropy, applied investment and in financial accounting. Belinda holds several not-for-profit board positions. She's currently on the board of ActionAid Australia and on the advisory board of the Social Impact Hub. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Belinda's diverse experience in philanthropy with key lessons being shared for social entrepreneurs. And we'll get Belinda's thoughts and perspective on the social enterprise landscape in Australia. So Belinda, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Tom. Well, it's been a pleasure to work with you closely over the last year or two, and I'm looking forward to sharing more about your story today. So could you please share a little bit about your background and what led you to your passion of philanthropy and social enterprise? Thanks, Tom. Look, I was brought up in Adelaide fairly conventionally, and I think that when I was at university, sort of my generation was more interested in the high-scaling career than saving the world and that was everybody's objective and that took me across to a number of countries and worked in Hong Kong, worked in London and in Australia of course but it didn't really sit very well with the Strong's value-based approach that I was brought up with and when I was in London I first came across the concept of community foundations and in fact I was working with the asset manager and we gained the book of business for the new Newcastle Community Foundation and the CEO of the Newcastle Community Foundation was this glorious guy called George Hepburn and he just took me under his wing and Mm. taught me so much about the role of community foundations and and it just made sense to me you know he was a model give where you live local model where donors 
got together and actually supported local really deep social impact within that same community. And it was just a win-win model. Um, and it's sort of, I guess for me, it really opened my eyes that whilst I wasn't a strong like my skill set wasn't in social work, for example, or something frontline, there were many ways to support the vulnerable in our communities yeah. and to create impact. And so therefore, my skill set, which was strong on business, strong on negotiations, relationships, and, and there was a way that I could put that to use, to better use, really. So mm. I moved back to Australia. And that was when I started uh, studying philanthropy and learning more about that world and haven't looked back since really yeah and that led to your position as ceo of the english family foundation essentially so what sort of projects are you involved in now how are you involved in the sector yeah so as you mentioned in the introduction our vision and mission is is really centered on the growth and development of social enterprises both here in australia particularly but also within our closest neighbors so we like to take a, a different approach to philanthropy and about how we can add value to our grant partners in the pursuit of, of a shared vision for social outcomes. So we look at the role of philanthropy as being one of partnering for impact and that there's many different ways to create impact, yeah. not just through dollars. So if I can sort of explain that, I guess we put it into three main streams. One is the right capital at the right time. So that looks like grants or impact investments. And, it, and it's pretty much where, you, where we know philanthropy sits and, and does it really, really well. We also are mindful that our time and our skills are valuable as well. And not to say they're any better, but they're often different. So we spend a lot of time in the sector. Alan does a lot of mentoring. I do a lot of work with our grant partners and other social enterprises who come to us to sort of understand how to approach philanthropy or how do you look at these different issues. So it's often the role of the sounding board of a different type of voice in those discussions. And I think the third area that we can add value is, is really around playing the role of an impact broker, in essence. So much of what we do is about connectivity. It is about relationships. And we have deep relationships in the sector. So, And we sit in such a privileged position in philanthropy of this sort of sitting on this little helicopter view and seeing so many different business models, seeing so many different organizations, and also having deep connections amongst other philanthropists. Therefore, by bringing that together and being an impact broker, if you like, is another way that we really feel that we can add value. And to give you an example of that, I have been working with Beck Scott on Moving Feast, an initiative that she's been working on and really trying to bring philanthropy together around her initiative and holding Zoom calls and doing all sorts of updates and really bringing people together. So that's not something that we necessarily have put a lot of grant funding into, but we've put an awful lot of time and a lot of our connections into. Yeah. So there's different ways that we like to look at how we create impact. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's certainly being felt, your support is being felt by the sector in Australia, Bell and, and Alan English as well. So we're living in a difficult time, right? We've seen these huge changes around the world because of COVID-19. And that's obviously affected the social enterprise sector uh, and the other, or well, the world in general significantly, right? So 
how do you then believe that social enterprises can best tackle some of the critical social environmental problems that we're experiencing? And importantly, Bell, what sort of support do you believe they critically need right now, given our circumstances? Yeah, look, that's a $64 question, isn't it? Um, I think that over the course of the last few weeks, months, one issue that has become incredibly apparent in most conversations that I'm having is the criticality of social enterprises in creating health and and welfare outcomes for Australians, Um, particularly for those Australians who are most vulnerable, Mm. you know, those who are slipping through the various government stimulus packages, for example. And those stimulus packages have been incredible, don't get me wrong, but unfortunately there are still areas, short-term casual workers, migrants on visas uh, and others who are really still slipping through those Mm. cracks. And that's really the sweet spot for social enterprises. There's so many that are particularly in that jobs-focused area who are actively employing and creating job opportunities so that people can continue and survive through this and Mm. i think that's the really key issue that we need to get through COVID and reframe how we look at the future so i think what can social enterprises do through this particular pandemic i think firstly we need them to survive Mm. we need them to really understand what makes them resilient and and work really intently on that so that we we need their passion we need their energy and their vision for a better world i mean we're we're entering a period of the potentially the greatest economic and employment challenges that we've ever had in our society so i think that this this crisis has brought home to to all of us the criticality of not of how we survive as a society through this, but not only that, is that how we emerge the other side with sustainable, just and inclusive systems, really. And I think that's what we need to really focus on ensuring that social enterprises are able to thrive and continue to survive and be resilient. Whilst there has been an incredible disruption of COVID, and I don't want to underestimate the negative impacts But at the same time, it's giving us a really unique opportunity to reimagine, to redesign and and refocus. So what sort of support do social enterprises need? And I think that there's a lot happening in the sector to really understand that and to respond directly to needs. There's a number of initiatives that I've been working on with the sector and with the likes of Westpac Foundation and Social Impact Hub. We put together a business mentoring opportunity whereby social enterprises can tap into pro bono business support. Mm. So that type of business skills in order to pivot or to even to survive are really needed at the moment. We need access to procurement contracts, you know, to be able to trade through this and, and really continue that business side. But to do that, we also need access to capital. And I think capital is the biggest issue, one of the biggest issues at the moment and the hardest one to secure. Yeah, absolutely. And so you spoke a little bit about the English Family Foundation's role and the the different types of support that you're providing, but also given this new scenario, a couple of questions like how have you seen philanthropy change over the last five years or so, but where do you now see it heading into the future? Yeah, look, I think that's a really interesting area. And I think that's one thing that I'm quite passionate about within 
our role at the English Family Foundation. Because um, philanthropy is definitely evolving. If you look at where we are now today versus where we were even a number of years ago, five years ago, it's significantly different. What we're seeing is, is much deeper levels of collaboration than we ever had before. People wanting to move together to create systemic change at a systems re-engineering level or a place-based approach to solving social problems. We're seeing a, a much higher level of professionalization of the sector. Mm. I, as a CEO of a foundation seven years ago, was, was a pretty lonely space. There really wasn't that many foundations that have paid staff. We're now seeing not the proliferation of that, but we're now seeing an increase in the professionalization of the sector, which means that people are understanding the issues and wanting to do it better. Yeah. And I think that's really important because it's very easy to give money away, but it's very hard to do it well. Mm, yeah. And there's, there's a great deal of, of competition out there. I think that there's a great deal of demand for philanthropy, of course, everybody is looking to obtain funding, but it's about how do you actually address systemic issues in our society in the most appropriate way? And that's a really difficult question. Mm. So it does take a really different approach. So I think that philanthropy is really starting to find its voice in that. It's um, utilising mechanisms like the role of Philanthropy Australia, who's the peak body for philanthropy here in Australia, and the role of advocacy. Advocacy was something that philanthropy would never go near, really, a decade mm. ago. But we're now seeing more and more foundations really finding their voice and stepping up and advocating on behalf of issues that they're really passionate about mm. and understanding and using the power imbalance if you like but still the power of philanthropy and using that for good yeah and that's that's a significant change i for example chair a funders network group through the philanthropy australia members and it's called beyond grant making and we established that to really explore the role of the role of philanthropy between grants and impact investment and looking at that white capital at the right time, mm. as I like to say, and, and looking at all the tools in your toolkit to really add strong value to your partners in achieving that shared value yeah. and shared vision. And that would not have been possible five years ago. So I think that where philanthropy is right now is, is definitely evolved and it, it's still evolving and it was still deepen. And we certainly look to the US and the UK and understand what's happening over there. And what we're doing here in Australia is, is really important in, in creating that collaborative, collective mm. ability for us as a society to unlock and solve these really wicked complex problems it's not the only voice and it's not the only component but i think it's a really key key component to solving this absolutely and that's really encouraging to hear how you have seen the philanthropy component really develop 
uh, over the years. That's that's great to hear. So you've got, had a lot of experience with social entrepreneurs seeking philanthropy. Have you seen any areas where these entrepreneurs typically fall short when when looking for that sort of support? Yeah, look, I think that, well, obviously not every social enterprise can attract philanthropic grant funding. Um, and obviously only those that are charitable can do that. Yeah. So there's different approaches needed depending on the different type of support organisations are, are looking for, social enterprises are looking for. But what I think, one of the key areas that I see is a lack of collaboration. Mm. Because really, when I talked a little bit about the evolution of philanthropy, so we're really looking to systemic issues and solutions. And so say if you're tackling domestic violence, for example, then that's to use Sharon Zivkovic's language, is a highly complex, wicked problem. Mm. And complexity theory teaches us that these causal issues are highly interconnected. Yeah. So if you're tackling domestic violence, then that's fantastic. But what we really want to understand is where you fit in that complex web and who you're collaborating with to actually achieve that. Because we know that no one organisation can achieve that single-handedly. Yeah. yeah. And that even at the base community level, which is where social enterprises in Australia have so often grown from and so often developed solutions that for gaps in their local communities, which is absolutely beautiful. Mm. But that complexity really starts to come into play. And so it's about understanding where you fit and how that collaborative approach comes together. And I think that's the narrative that I'm often missing. I see a lot of incredible social enterprises that I absolutely fall in love with and really get and understand what they're trying to do. But then I look at the next one and getting that connectivity is is hard. And I feel that that's come to the fore more now because we're running out of time. Mm. You know, if we look at climate change issues, we don't have time for everybody to have their pet project anymore. What we need is we need to move together, forward together as a society, bringing in all the key stakeholders. Yeah. And that's where I think social enterprise actually has a sweet spot. Yeah. And I think that there is a really great strength. It's just about how we actually articulate and work better collaboratively together and I think that you will take more philanthropy on that journey with you if we have a stronger approach to that. Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a great segue onto this next question I was keen to ask you which is really about where you see these strong opportunities for the social enterprise sector in Australia and where you believe there is opportunity to build on the current momentum uh, that Australia is experiencing. You know, we've seen uh, the rapid formation over the last 12 months of a, a variety of uh, different state-based social enterprise networks or councils. We are working towards, ideally, a national strategy. But where are these further opportunities, Belinda? Yeah, look, I think that one of my favourite quotes is change comes at the speed of trust. Mm. And to me, that has really come to the fore in so much of what I'm seeing at the moment in, in that we've spent the last decade building that trust. Now we need to move and move quickly. Yeah. And this pandemic has touched everybody 
in a way that previous crises in Australia had. I live in Sydney, and, and so obviously we came through the, the incredibly tough bushfire season. But I live here in the city. It impacted me through air quality yeah. and inability to go to my favourite beachside holiday space. It didn't burn my property down. So yeah. it impacted me significantly different than those who are at the front line of it. Mm. But this pandemic's touching everybody in, in some way, in a deeper way. So I, I think that I really strongly believe that now is the time for social enterprise in Australia. You know, we've all had a bit of time to contemplate our neighbours and our lives. And I strongly feel that we need to move on that momentum and ensure that people wanted to not go back to the old normal, mm. that they want to create the new normal. And that's easily said but not easily done. Yeah. And, you know, so what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, I think that there's an opportunity for social enterprises to be to be really vocal about how they create the incredible social benefits within their everyday model, within mm. their DNA. This yeah. is not a nice add-on. This is what social enterprises do. And I think now people are actually potentially more open to understanding that. Yeah have the evidence base. We have the incredible work of, of those like Joe Barraquette and the body of social enterprise leaders. We've got, as you mentioned, we've seen such momentum in the sector over the last 12 months. You look at the rise of the social enterprise state networks. That's phenomenal. Yeah. We didn't have that 10 years ago. So we've, we're starting to see breadth across the inclusivity of social enterprise into the Australian society. But what we're not seeing is the depth. So now we need to build out that demand. We need to really build stronger collaborative approaches across so that we can really deepen the social impact of social enterprises. Yeah. And I think that I sometimes feel that there's a bit of an echo chamber and that we're all on the same page, but not necessarily everybody else is. So how do we develop the language to get out of that echo chamber mm. so that well, it, it's more relatable to Australian businesses, to everyday Australians? You think back to, you know, the buy Australian, buy local type of campaigns. We need in a way to, to be able to articulate the incredible benefits that we know the sector brings. I think people are now wanting to do more with their consumer dollars. And, and so this is beginning to happen. But I think that, you know, and, and we see so much more momentum in the past 12 months than we have in the, in the last few years put together. Yeah. I think another area is to be able to demonstrate to government the criticality of the role of social enterprises. Mm. Government's willing to listen. And if we can really ensure that we position it correctly, which we're starting to do now. Um, state networks are doing great work with locals and state governments, and even the federal government is listening through the Social Impact Investment Task Force, for example. Yeah. That really reiterated that it's all very well to say, yes, we need an impact investment marketplace, but guess what? That's not going to happen unless we have a strong ecosystem that underpins and support that, which is what we within the English Family Foundation have been saying for the last number of years. Mm. So I do feel that that echo chamber is starting to broaden, but not enough. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree. And I think you've got some great points there, Belle. So I'm keen to hear then about 
a couple of really practical projects or initiatives that you've come across which are really creating that positive social change and perhaps doing so in, in that collaborative way that you talk about? Yeah, look, I think that there is so many out there at the moment, but you have asked me to, to look at a few. So one of the ones that I have been looking at lately is an incredible collaborative project down in Melbourne called Moving Feast. Mm. A number of weeks ago, so right at the very beginning of the pandemic lockdown, Luke Terry of White Box Enterprises and myself called together a meeting of some of the social enterprise leaders in Australia and sort of said, where are the pain points? Where are, where, what do we need to do collectively to get through this? Yeah. And Beck Scott at that point, so Beck Scott from Street, who's been driving Street for the last decade or more, yeah. And she, at that point, sort of really articulated the opportunity to re-engineer and rejuvenate what we already have. And, and she's done that. So what she's done is created Moving Feast, which is a collaborative project through Senvic, the Social Enterprise Network of Victoria, and which brings together food social enterprises to create a just, sustainable, resilient food response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm. So at a basic level, it's looking at from farmer to plate, how you involve social enterprises all the way through to in order to be getting cooked and fresh produce meals to those vulnerable Victorians who are struggling right now, who mm. don't have food that really need assistance, the need food packages, if you like, at this very base level. So that's the basic level, and that's wonderful. That's fantastic. But it's so much more. It actually has a recovery and rejuvenation component so that this concept of using social enterprises right across the food system is about how do we re-engineer our systems so that that recovery and rejuvenation phases, which will come, result in increased food security and resilience of households right across the state. Yeah. So there's establishment of balcony and backyard gardens. So there's stronger social enterprises along that food system. There's more community gardens infrastructure around. And I think that the duality, the multiplicity of, of that approach that they've brought together, is yes, it's an immediate COVID response and it's really is providing thousands upon thousands of meals to vulnerable Victorians, which mm. is absolutely needed and, and exciting. But it's utilising this as an opportunity to re-engineer. Yeah. And that, I think, to me, speaks volumes of the complexity and sophistication of the sector. And that level of sophistication is what I think we need to really be articulating across Australia. This is a sophisticated sector that knows people, understands social needs and issues and, and can create innovative solutions to make that happen. Yeah. This is not just an immediate food response, but something that is actually systemic and creates that better new normal that we really talk about. Another great example is I've been working with Luke Terry of White Box Enterprises around creating a capital vehicle that is looking for grants 
from grants from philanthropy, but also loans. So the Grants Act is first loss capital. Yep. So this blended finance approach, which we've so desperately tried to get to in Australia, but haven't really succeeded. This is it. This is actually a really nimble vehicle that will be providing working capital to social enterprises, job focused social enterprises right now to give them the working capital to go out and buy the equipment to take advantage of a new contract to mm. be able to pivot, or to even just be able to keep people in jobs. And that's what it's really about. It's like, how do we actually continue to keep people employed, keep the momentum, enable people to work their own way out rather than having a, a traditional charitable approach. Yeah. Well, Those are kind of concepts that really excite me at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a couple of great initiatives you've mentioned there and I'll stick some links through in the article so our listeners can explore those a little bit further and and understand you know what that sort of initiative looks like that is seeking that deeper systemic change um so to finish off then bell I'd love to hear what books you'd recommend to our listeners ah well there you go Look, a very dear friend of mine Lisa Cotton is on the board of the Stella Prize and the Stella Prize was awarded I think last week or the week before. And so that's really Australia's preeminent literature award for female authors in Australia. Mm. And really interestingly, this year it was won by an incredible uh, woman called Jess Hill. And it's it's not a work of fiction. It's very much a work of fact. And it's called See What You Made Me Do. And it's taking the issue of domestic violence from the perpetrator's point of view as well and really not looking at why women are victims but more why men are perpetrators. Mm. And as a woman, I think it's really important that we understand how this absolutely terrible issue in Australia, in a highly developed country like Australia, where domestic violence is still such a prominent and scary issue. And I think it's really important that we we understand and that we have a greater sense of empathy for women and families who are in that situation. I know so many families that have been touched by this. This is not a nice, you know, this is not something that happens to everybody else. So I think that Yeah, I haven't finished it yet, but I'm really, really excited by that. And I think it's a really important piece of of work in Australia right now. Yeah, it sounds like a, a great read. So I'll certainly be investigating that further, Belinda. So again, Belinda, thanks so much for sharing so many of your generous insights today and, and of course your time as well. It's certainly a pleasure, as I said, to be working with you and collaborating and I'm really looking forward to these future opportunities and and seeing how the sector can continue to develop thanks to the work of yourself and the English Family Foundation. And many others, Tom. It's not just about us, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely agreed there. But when your support comes in, it's, it's greatly appreciated. Thanks very much for having me today, Tom. It's been really lovely to talk about something that I'm so passionate about. And thank you. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.